0: If you don't know who I am, uh, please come up to me afterwards. Come introduce yourself. um, Tell me all about yourself. I want to know who you are. I want to know why you're here. I'm a very nosy person. So I'm warning you, once you get to know me, I'm going to pretend I know everything about you. We're going to be best friends. If I see you in public, I'm going to let everyone know we know each other. So just letting you know. But come say hey to me. My name is Leon. Um, We're about to start a new series, okay? Now, I, I knew I messed up because... I picked a series without consulting the people, and it seems like most of y'all don't know what Like Mike is. It's like the movie that got me through my like, middle school years, but uh, for those of you who don't know what Like Mike is, because either you're too young or you just didn't care about corny movies, um, I'm not going to dive into it this week. I'm not going to give any examples from it to not confuse too many of y'all. I'm just going to take a theme from it. But, to catch y'all up, to kind of intrigue you to go home this week and watch the movie, it's like $3 on Amazon, and if you don't have it, uh, I have it. I'll give you my login information. You can go on Amazon and watch it for free. I don't know if all of you can log in at the same time, but I don't care. So, uh, I'm going to play the trailer real quick so that you can get an idea of what's going on. This is Always HD back in, in the day. Calvin Cambridge. Hey, punk. Had been pushed around. Want to play me one on one? challenge and neither is Calvin Cambridge but no matter how hard he tried take a number ox because you're about to be served nothing ever changed until one night Tracy Reynolds for $1,000. Here we go. Section 4, row 14, seat 2. I've got the ticket. Let's get the show on the road. Now, make me like Mike. A kid with something to prove. Good luck to you, all right? All right. Uh, I know it was like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you know it was like that? He's taking his game. Whoa! Relax out, little man. Recess is over. Come on, little man. Come on. With the shit, yeah. And hanging... ...with the big boys. I guess this would be a bad time for me to ask you for your autograph, huh? We've got a bigger-than-usual crowd tonight, and a lot of it is the Knights have a new player, Calvin Cambridge. I got dogs bigger than that in my house. Brown, Calvin Cambridge. You just need to get back to that sandbox where you came from. You Noble know, fellas good for the move Make your move. Kids got game. Oh. And B. you know me? What well, can you do me? Like Mike. So what's it like playing together? Well, um, it's been it's uh It's been great. Really great. All right, step, step, step I promise like, it's better than what it looks like, now looking back at it. But it's a good movie. You should watch it. Uh, Eddie was the stunt double, believe it or not, in that movie back in 2002. <laughs> so the reason I chose that was because um, I played basketball. And so when I was in middle school, um, playing basketball was... Uh, really this thing where you aren't very talented in middle school, and so you look up to professional people. A lot like other sports, but I can't speak in other sports because I didn't play other sports. But in basketball, um, you may have heard me say it here, but every time I shot like a three-pointer, this is specifically seventh grade and eighth grade Leon, uh, there's a video of me doing this. I would yell, Larry. I loved Larry Bird. I don't know why. It was like something I would say right before I shot it. I'd be like, Larry! And I'd shoot it. Uh, it gave away my shot, though, so I got blocked a lot. People knew I was going to shoot every time I said Larry. So, um, But that's the thing. When you play basketball, you look up to other players. Nowadays, uh, if you go up to Lifetime Fitness or LA Fitness or Fitness Connection or wherever you go where they play basketball, you're going to hear one or two middle middle schoolers yelling Steph Curry's name while shooting a deep half-court three in the middle of a pickup game. Or uh, maybe a year ago or 10 years ago, however long ago, you played basketball if you ever did. You hear people say Kobe or... Maybe not Jordan, but that used to be the popular saying. And so that's where this idea comes from, right? And, and if you're not an athlete, I'm sure you can understand that we all look up as people in specific skills that we like, we look up to someone, right? We do. And then our goal isn't to be um, different than them. It's to be just like them. And it's, I think, a human nature thing. I, I look back at my own life and over and over again, I always had people I looked up to or wanted to be like. Right, whether it was financially or in discipline, just like people who are disciplined, I'm like, I want to know what their schedule is. Right? If you get on YouTube enough, you'll see uh, a BuzzFeed and all these companies do this thing where they're like, followed Bill Gates' schedule. Right? Why do they do that? Because they think if they wake up at 4 a.m. and brush their teeth like Bill Gates, they're going to make billions of dollars. That's what we do. And if you say you don't do that, you're lying. Right? You just don't want to admit because it didn't work for you. But as a kid, growing up, you always have something you look up to. And so tonight, what I want to talk about is this idea of discipleship. That's really the theme that you see in the movie, Like Mike. I'm not going to name any references because I want to give those of you a fair chance who haven't seen it to go watch it this week. And the next week, I'm making references. So if you come and you're like, I don't know who Calvin Cambridge is, that's your fault. I gave you a warning. You should have watched it. Um, However, this week, I just want to talk about discipleship because that's what is happening in the whole movie. I mean, even the title, you saw him get the shoes and he was like, make me like Mike. And I I consider that a prayer, maybe not, maybe he was just being hopeful, but um, he he wanted to be like Michael Jordan, he wanted to play like Michael Jordan. That's called discipleship. That's called discipleship, looking up to someone and wanting to know how to be like them, how to follow in those footsteps. Now, some of you guys in here, discipleship, especially if you grew up in the church and you've been around in church, is an intimidating word. Because at one point or another, you were told you need to disciple someone, right? Like if you're, a, if you're a, a mature believer and you know your word, even a little bit, you know, oh man, I'm supposed to, as a Christian, disciple people. And if you didn't know that, you can go ahead and open your Bible to Matthew 28, 18. It's actually the last thing Jesus says before he ascends. He's talking to his disciples. This is after Jesus' resurrection. He says to his disciples in verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, first off, that's, that's him telling you I'm the boss, you should listen up. Okay, Last, next thing he's going to say, he just pulled the ranking on you and said, all authority on earth and heaven or heaven and earth has been given to me. So because of that, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there it is. If you're in here today and you just heard me say you're called to make to make disciples, and you were like, oh, I don't know, man, I don't know if that's me. Um, Jesus just told us all to go and make disciples. Now, again, this is intimidating, because this means some things for us. It means some things for us. It means we have to go out and make disciples. Now, I don't know about you, but when I became a Christian, I didn't know what that really meant. I didn't really know what disciple meant. It was kind of a word that was uniquely given to Christians. And so tonight, that's really what I want to dive into. I want to dive into what does it mean to be a disciple maker? What does it mean to follow Jesus' words for us in Matthew 28? And then why should we do it? Why should you in here, whether you're an infant in your faith, whether you just got saved, whether you've been following Christ for most of your life, why should you be obedient to this? And if you're going to be obedient to it, why should you? Other than the fact that Jesus told you to, right? Because you're worried he's going like, to send a lightning bolt at you if you don't. Um, but let's look at it. The first reason I have we should follow this is because Jesus did it. right? And then with that, I want to see what Jesus did. So Matthew 4 is what I want to jump to. We're going to do a few scriptures and then I'm going to talk for a while and hopefully, uh, or not a while, I'm going to tell a story and hopefully that will connect everything. But Matthew 4 is the first example we see of Jesus starting his ministry of making disciples, And if you don't know what a disciple is, I promise we'll define it in a minute, but right in Matthew 4, verse 19 and 20, Jesus goes up to this group of men who are in a boat, they're fishermen, and and this is what he says to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's all he said, and then immediately these dudes dropped their nets and followed him. Okay, first thing about discipleship, discipleship is not you. It can look like this, but this is not solely what it is. Discipleship is not meeting Sunday morning, Saturday morning for breakfast with your Bible open, having to teach other people exactly what verse by verse the Old Testament and New Testament says. That is not discipleship. If you're in here, you're like, man, I've never been discipled. I've never discipled anyone. I want to clear the air for all of us. That's intimidating because there's a lot to know if you're going to do that. Right? Like like the Old Testament, I don't know if you've tried reading it, there's a lot to know. If you told me I have to go teach someone the whole Old te- Testament, I'm probably going to find a lot of reasons why I can't do that or don't want to do that. But here we have the first example of Jesus calling his disciples, a.k.a. discipling them, and the only thing he says is, follow me. Follow me. This tells me, as someone who, who looks at Christ, this tells me that discipleship means that we are in relationship with people. If you're in here, and you take the command seriously of Matthew 28, and you don't know how to start making disciples, the first thing you do is you have relationships, friendships. Now, I know all of us are capable of that in here. All of you know how to have, at least to some capacity, just a normal relationship with people. It's the first thing that's a requirement. It's the first thing we have to do. You don't need to go and sit in front of someone and start quoting Jeremiah to them. You just have a relationship. We look at Genesis, and it's not going to be on there, but you look at Genesis 1, and and we see that God's naturally in a relationship. He's triune. There's three gods or three uh, persons in our God. He is naturally in community with himself perfectly. So he's given us likeness in his image, the ability to do that. So so where do we start with this command? Jesus going, hey, all of you in here, I need you to make disciples. I need you to go and tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, we start by making relationship. Now... As we dive deeper into the word discipleship, I just want everyone in here to know that all it means, according to Acts 11:26, is Christian. You won't find disciple, the word disciple, past the book of Acts. You'll find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And then after that, Paul never uses that language. It's Jesus mostly who calls the people who follow him, and then you have the word Christian here. In Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So what is a disciple? It's a Christian. If you're in here, you are a disciple. So now when we look at Jesus' words in Matthew 28, what is Jesus actually telling us to do? He says, hey, go make Christians. Okay? Another intimidating phrase, isn't that? How many of you find it intimidating to go and make Christians? You should. That's not not an easy task. If it was, this room would be filled with people we know who we're currently making Christians. Making Christians is a tough task. Not if we look at the words, though. So let's go to the New Testament. Let's look at what Paul says being a Christian is. Being a Christian is just being an imitator of Christ. Actually, the word Christian is only used three times in the New Testament or in the Bible in general, and the first two are kind of to make fun of Christians. The word Christian is to be like a mini-Christian or a group of people who belong to an area, and they just said, you belong to Christ. And it was really used as more of an insult to them to to believers, the people who followed the way of Jesus than anything, because all they did was they imitated Christ or uh, attempted to imitate Christ. So again, this is all going to connect here in a minute, but let's just look at what Paul says to be a Christian is, to be a disciple is. 1 Corinthians 4, 16, Paul's talking to the church in Corinth. He says, I urge you to be imitators of me. Paul is one of the apostles. What does that mean? That's scary. So we're to make people imitate us but we're sinful. We're broken. That's, I, I don't know. I don't read my Bible every day, Leon. I don't know that people should imitate me. That's why I'm here, to listen to you speak about the Bible so that you know, I, I learn how to follow Christ better. Okay, well, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So here's how you be a disciple. Go make a relationship. Ask someone to just do life with you. You don't need to be creepy and tell them to follow you and then try and like, move away. That's creepy, and that's called kidnapping. We don't do that. What we do is we ask people to just be in relationship with us. And then as we try and follow Christ, according to the word of God, we ask them to follow us. That's it. That's, we just did like, we just jumped from A, B, and C, put them together. And what does it mean to make disciples? Go have a relationship and go, hey, follow me. I'm following Christ, and I want you to see the hope that I have in him. That's it. That's it. Philippians three seventeen, Paul speaks to another group of people. He says the same thing. Brothers, join me. And that brothers is... Brothers and sisters, just New Testament language. Brothers, join in imitating me and keeping your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. First Thessalonians 1.6. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Okay, over and over and over and over again. I don't want to beat this to death all night because then it's going to be a long, boring night, but that's all the scriptures have to say about it. Which surprises me so much because Jesus doesn't command us to do a lot of things. Uh, However, one of his last most powerful words is for us to have people just join us in doing life. Ask, invite people into your life and then show them the grace and mercy that God gives you daily. That's it. That's how you make Christians. You you go, hey, you want to know what's so special about me? Nothing. I just imitate Christ one of his only commands he gives us, love people, love God, and then he says, make disciples, make Christians, imitate me. What did Jesus do? He went around and he asked people to follow him. He did life with them. And I think our culture, I think today, us, especially this group, uh, like not you guys specifically, but our age, I think we've made this way too complicated. We like want this like specific formula. All of you in here, if you don't have someone you're regularly meeting with right now and encouraging them in their faith, telling them how to follow the word, telling them how to follow Jesus, not because you know how to do it perfectly, but because you're just following Jesus, it's because you've overcomplicated it. Right? I don't always want to call out my intern group that we have here. Most of them are here, is who I'm talking to mostly. But, but here's the funniest thing in the world to me. We go to Colin on Tuesdays to do BSM, and the funniest thing in the world to me is how awkward we can look standing there because we are wearing a shirt that says BSM and it has something to do with a Christian uh, representation, then all of a sudden, all of us become anti-social and we forget how to have a conversation. Right? Isn't that true? Like, you tag Christianity onto it, you tag Jesus onto it, and all of a sudden, we all forgot how to speak to people, just normally. Like, we don't even know how to say, hey, how you doing? We're like, oh, no, they're going to think I'm weird if I say that. Like, as if people don't just say hi to each other every day, everywhere you go. We've overcomplicated it. If you have someone in your life right now that you're like, man, I... I don't meet with regularly, you've overcomplicated it. you've overcomplicated it. Acts 14:21 through22. Now this is just the acts is like the book where you see them doing this over and over and over. It's the first century church. It's the growth of Christianity. It's why we understand who Jesus is today. Acts 14:21, this is what they said. When they preach the gospel to the city, so these people are preaching to a whole city. They had made many disciples. Okay, so they preached the word. People were like, hey, yo, I'm kind of interested in this thing that you're talking about, about Jesus. What is this? Then they returned to Lysteria and to Antioch and to their places. And they took their disciples. And look at verse 22. This is what they did. They strengthened their souls. Now, how do they do this? By encouraging them to continue in their faith. That's it. That's discipleship. You don't, gotta do, I'm not, you don't have to do anything. There's no magic work in it. There's no over-pressured, you have to now all of a sudden do all these holy things and live a perfect life. All you have to do is you continue to encourage people that through tribulation, through difficulty, through trying to figure out what this Bible is saying, what God's word is, who Jesus is, who God is, you're continuing to just encourage them to pursue Jesus. That's it not very complicated, when we start stripping away what we, what we believe and our insecurities, when we just make it purely what discipleship is, it's actually pretty simple. So when I was uh, in high school, uh, I had this guy named Blake Chilton, not Blake Shelton, not the country singer, Blake Chilton, uh, and he was a youth pastor at the church I went to. I've probably talked about him before, you may have heard of him, but um, this guy, had really, I mean, I hope he listens to this, he didn't have anything really amazing about him. Like, as far as, like, he, he was a funny guy, but he wasn't, like, super special. It's not like he was, like, the stud athlete, like, huge, like, attractive guy everyone was, like, in love with. He was, uh, he was actually a very corny kind of country boy who, who just, he was older than us, and he worked at a church. That's all we knew about him at first when you meet him. And he touched your ear sometimes, which was whatever. Um, anyways, Blake did this amazing thing where he would kind of get to know you, and then not like overly preach at you, not tell you what to do. He would just go, hey, what are, you doing on, what are you doing Thursday night? And I was like, hey, man, you're an adult. I'm a high schooler. This is weird. And he's like, no, no, I just want you, I want you to come over and, and babysit our kids. And so you're like, oh, are you going to pay me? And he's like, yeah, yeah, come over and babysit my kids. And then this is what he did for me, I swear. I went over to his house. I babysat his kids. And him and his wife didn't leave. <laughs> they stayed home. It was the weirdest thing I've ever done in my life. I was like, you're paying me to be? He was like, yeah and he allowed me to just watch his family be. And what they did is they made dinner, and he was like, you wanna eat with us? I was like, are you, are you not going on a date? Like, he's like, no, join us. And I would sit at the table with them, and man, they, they would just love their kids, and they were just sweet, genuine people. And, and I could tell there was something different about Blake, at least compared to my family. My, my family's crazy, and so, uh, not that they were perfect. I mean, they would like argue, and their kids, uh, his daughter one time put a hamster in the drying, uh, or the dryer, and I was like, no, no, no. But like, they're, so they're crazy, don't get me wrong, but, but no, the the hamster lived. Uh, actually, I don't know. It may have died. Um, but here's the thing: this is what he did. He just he would meet people who were slightly interested in who Jesus was, and he wouldn't preach them to death. He wouldn't do anything. He would just invite them over. At, at first, I thought it was just me, right? I was like, maybe this guy has like a weird. Maybe he thinks I'm cool, right? Maybe, and then I got to school, and then I went to church, and. Literally, every, he, like, invited everyone. It seemed like everyone's like, oh, yeah, he invited you to babysit his kids. Yeah, he does that all the time. I was like, what? And over, over the next about two years, I'm not a Christian at the time, mind you. I'm not a Christian. I don't know. I've, I like, been to church, like, maybe twice at this point. And over the next two and a half years, I started seeing the gospel in who Blake was. Now, granted, he was also preaching the gospel, right? He's a youth pastor. He was always telling me about Jesus. He was telling me. Sometimes he wouldn't even preach to me. He would just tell me what he read that morning. He would just be like, hey man, this is what I read this morning. He would send me a text, actually. This, I vividly remember I'd get random text of like, this is what I read today, just wanted to let you know. I'm like, cool. <laughs> but this is what he did. And you know what? I, I sent him a text this week because I look back at that and I realize how important that was for my faith. This random older gentleman who just invited me over, invited me over to be with his family to see what a godly family, what, what people who pursue the Lord look like. And they weren't perfect, they had tons of flaws. They were somewhat crazy, but that's discipleship, right? That's it. There's another guy uh, uh, by the name of Clint Ware who was even crazier, right? Clint was wild. He would, he would call me and say on Fridays, he would go, hey, I'm playing with a bunch of guys in Dallas. There's some of these college kids. Uh, they're playing ultimate. You want to come play with us? Now, Clint was like 25, 26 at the time. I was like 17. So to me, hanging out with an older guy was super cool. And I was like, dude, I'm not that athletic, but okay, I'll come play with you. And I didn't really like Ultimate Frisbee, but I thought it was fun. And Clint would do this with me all the time. We'd go, we'd go play sports, we'd go hang out, and then afterwards we'd get Whataburger and he'd ask me how my family's doing. And over years that conversation started transforming into ones about the gospel, started transforming into ones about reading the Bible. He would ask me, hey, do you read the Bible? And I'm like, yeah, once every once in a while, like once a month or so I'd open my Bible. And then a few years down the road, my senior year, one day he goes, do you remember when we first started hanging out? He's like, we, we just played ultimate, right? He's like, how about we change it this year? Why don't, why don't we memorize Romans 1? I was like, whoa, whoa, dude, whoa, slow down. Okay, we're playing ultimate, now I'm memorizing the Bible. I see what you're doing. And I did. I took the challenge. I'd been around him long enough. I knew he was a Christian. I had just become a Christian. I was still trying to figure it out. But guys, this is discipleship. It wasn't weird. I'm looking back at my life. It wasn't creepy. He was, it was discipleship. Kirk Greer is a, a guy at our church here. He's one of the deacons, and About five months ago, we were sitting at Zane, who sings here sometimes. We were sitting at his, like, celebration. He had a kid, and uh, we were just telling stories by the fire, and Kirk told us his testimony. And Kirk had this guy in his life who, during a really rough season, just invited him in with, like, 15, 20 other kids his age. And all they did was hang out. And at the time, Kirk didn't have really that much going on in his life, but then about five months after hanging out with this man regularly... About five months into it, Kirk had a little bit of a rough season in his life, and the only consistent thing was this man he hung out with and the group of 15 guys or how many of it was. And Kirk said the most amazing thing in the world to him was some, I don't know, 10, 20 years later, this man passed away. And it was awful, and Kirk went to his funeral, and there was hundreds of uh, like-aged people sitting in attendance. Turns out this guy was regularly inviting groups of people just to his house just to love on them. And then occasionally he would tell them the gospel, and he would be Christ for them. And hundreds of people were affected deeply of who Jesus Christ was because one man just invited people over. And he didn't do much. He didn't say, imitate me. He didn't quote scripture necessarily. He just lived a life that made people go, I kind of want to be like this guy. I want to do that. I want to invite. Who doesn't want to invite people over and impact hundreds of lives? We all do. Even if you're not a Christian, even if you have nothing to do with Christianity, there's some part of your soul that desires to affect hundreds of people. You know why? Because you know one day you die, and then there's nothing if you don't have Christ. And so, man, there's this appealing thing about discipleship. In our call to who we are as disciples of Jesus, we are to be like Jesus. And you know what Jesus did better than anyone in the history of mankind? Impact the rest of mankind. Right? Like, even non-believers, you stub your toe, you're like, ah, Jesus, right? Like, even, like, everyone, everyone knows who Jesus is. I don't know a person who doesn't know who Jesus is. Why? Because he walked around and he said, hey, follow me, imitate me. Now we get to imitate Jesus, and we get to call people into our lives to follow us as we do that. Guys, we've overcomplicated it. If you have the the weight and power of of Jesus' death and resurrection in your life, like when we worship, you know the reason you're singing is because that grace and mercy will one day be revealed when he comes back, and you're going to be a part of it. Then you have qualified yourself to be a disciple, and therefore go make disciples. That's all you need. You need to know Jesus is coming back. He died for your sins, and now his righteousness is yours. And now you get to invite people into this unlimited amount of righteousness that Jesus had. That's it. They don't have to believe. You don't have to convince them. You don't have to know theology. You don't have to have a a Bible degree. You just invite people into your life. And if we listen to the words of Jesus or to Paul, we know that our life isn't our own. Galatians two twenty. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So now I get to show people who Christ is, not who I am. I don't want to impress people with who Leon is. I want to invite people over to my house, and you know what I want to do? I just want to love on them the way Christ loves on me every time I encounter him. Now, why else would we do that? 1 Timothy 4, or 1 Timothy 4, 15 and 16. Practice these things. First off, if you want an example of genuinely amazing discipleship, look at Paul's relationship with Timothy in the Bible. Just look at the way he talks to him. I'm not going to read all of it tonight, but if you want to be encouraged, read how this man started writing letters to this younger believer We'll pick it up in verse 15. He says, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. That, by the way, lets us know that you don't have to be perfect to invite people to follow you following Jesus. You don't. You don't have to be perfect. There's there's supposed to be progress. You're supposed to invite them in before you reach whatever holy level you're going to hit so that when you progress in your faithfulness to the Lord, guess what? Others will see and they will worship and go, wow, how did you do that? You're going to go, I don't know. I just followed Jesus. Let's keep going this is another reason why you should be discipling someone keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching persist in this far by or for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hear, your hearers he's not talking about saving your soul what he's talking about is if you and i are similar which i know most of us actually are your biggest fear is people Right? Letting people down. That's all of us. If you're in here, you have someone who you're usually afraid to let down. Actually, for most of us, it's the reason why when I take my interns to Colin with Brady, most of them can't talk to people. Right? They freeze up. I don't know how to say hey to people. I forgot. Because they're afraid and intimidated to making people think they're weird. But here, Jesus, and this is not in the scriptures, this is me studying and understanding, the psychology of what's going on here is amazing. Instead of letting us be worried of letting people down by being weird, now we've encouraged people to follow us and tell them who Jesus is. Now there's a way for us to go, oh wait, I should probably be doing the things I'm telling everyone to do, because if I don't, they're going to notice. And then by me doing them, they will see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life, and then they will want that as well. It's like, a, it's like a psychological, trippy way of encouraging one another to keep doing this. You know why? Because you're afraid to let fellow believers down. And if you've ever discipled someone and you've hit that level, you know what that's like. Maybe you don't have the deepest community. Disciple someone. I promise you that kid or that girl. That, it doesn't have to be younger. I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about spiritually. They will challenge you better than anyone. Anyone, go get someone who doesn't really know a lot about the faith. Sam and I were talking about this beforehand. The best people who have the hardest questions are new believers. It's not atheists. It's not agnostics. It's people who just learned who Jesus is. If you know who Tinsu is, then you know. When she first got saved, that girl asked me everything about everything she read. And guess what? I didn't know the answers always. Our home group didn't know the answers always. But that accountability of going, oh, I want to study this. I want to know. I want to have the answers for her. You learn them. And you get to be a vessel used by God. Guys, discipleship has this deep, deep, deep impact on your life. And we're overcomplicating why we're not doing it. You are missing out on literally one of the commandments that Jesus has given you to help you grow in your depth of following him. And we've completely gone, I don't need that or I can't do that. We're missing out on such a rich part of what being a Christian is. I have two more things and then I have my story to tell you. Another way to disciple is just encouraging. 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You want to disciple someone? Just encourage them to keep following Jesus. That's all you got to do. Hey, are you a new believer? Great, let's meet once every other week just for coffee. And I just want to hear how your walk's going. That's it. And over the next decade of your life, you get to see the Lord not just transform your heart, but someone else's. It's the most beautiful thing ever if you've never gotten to experience it. And this is my challenge to everyone in this room. Not that mine is better than Jesus's. Jesus has already challenged you. Everyone in this room should have people they're discipling. Not just one, multiple. Because you have multiple relationships. You're not that introverted that you can't talk to more than one person a week. And I'm not saying you have to do anything special. You're inviting them into your life. That's it. And then he says, what you've heard in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men. So the things you learn here, share them with people. That's what Blake did, man. He used to send me a text literally one time. It was every week, Monday, Tuesday, or every day during the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. At 7 a.m. I'd get a text, and he'd be like, this is what I read today, and he'd give me a summary of some Bible scripture. And I was like, what in the world is this man doing? I, and I didn't have the guts to ask him to stop because I was like, oh, "Okay, whatever, I'll read it." That's all. He just—it it was this weird thing where he would like encourage me with scripture. He wasn't preaching at me. He wasn't getting a theology degree. So this is what I want to say to y'all. And this is the story I have. Um, in the Philippines, there's a church, and I forget the name off the top of my at the top of my head, but um, essentially they had this model right where. When you go to a, a country where you don't speak their language, it takes quite a bit of time to kind of acclimate to that culture, if you can imagine. Um, and, and so my buddy Dave, who I talk about regularly in here, who's also in Thailand, he, he told me about this group in the Philippines who did this. But they went there, took them five years to just acclimate to the culture and learn the language in the Philippines. And they went and they learned the language and they met a lot of the tribal people and a lot of the na- native people. And they, they were just there as working people. It was this couple, and their two kids, and the wife was pregnant at the time. Um, I believe her name was Claudia. I don't remember the husband's name. But so this is what they did. They went down there five years. They're living. They're learning the language. They're working. They're just being normal humans, you know, nothing special. And then five years in, they met this one guy who they'd known really well. I think they went to the same, like, shopping market or whatever, and, and they invited him over for dinner. And they slowly started telling him about their faith. And about their pursuit of Jesus and the grace that Jesus has extended all mankind after His death and resurrection, and how even this one man was called by God as His Father of the Creator of everything through Jesus to have a relationship with Him. And this guy accepted it. He was like, "Yeah, well, this sounds amazing. My life's trapped with sin. I do all these things that I don't know how to control. This sounds this sounds amazing. I want it. And then they they started teaching him the Bible and they started translating the Bible themselves. They'd learned the language. And then this man, over the next five years, discipled 130 other people. And they started a church that, to this day, has something like, I think, 180 or something like that people in it. Because one man just caught such wind of the gospel and was so encouraged by the free grace that no one had ever told him about that was in Jesus Christ, that it changed his life so much that he is now the pastor of a church who was just preaching the gospel week in and week out, and his life was changed. Why? Because This one family just decided to invite him in, and and their life was so filled with who Jesus is, and they were imitating Jesus as best as they can, and this man saw that when he heard the gospel. He was like, of course I want that. I I know that sounds crazy, and that sounds absurd, and, and it should. It should sound that easy because all of you are in here because you've seen Jesus, and you've wanted to imitate him, and you want more of him. Now we get to go do that for others. By not doing that, we miss out on so much. And I hate to play the game. I don't want to play that game where it's like, well, what if you don't tell the next person you see about Jesus, right? And then that guy could have been a pastor, and then that could have done... I don't want to play that game with you. I just, I want us to be completely different than that. I want us to love Jesus enough to trust that him telling us to go love other people and invite them in and share with them the the news of the resurrection of Christ that's changed our life is so amazing. It's the best news ever that it's so great and it's changed our life so much that if we just can, if we can just invite people in to see what God's done in our life, then who knows what could happen? Who knows what could happen if you developed one friendship at wherever you are, whether it's work or school or whatever you're doing. I- I tried, I've tried many times and failed, I'll tell you that. I used to have the same cashier at Kroger. My wife and I would go at the same time. Every Sunday at 5 o'clock we'd go. And this guy named Jan, it was J-A-N, so Jan, but he called himself Jan, was our cashier. And every week I'd go and I'd h- hang out with him and I'd laugh with him and he would scan all my stuff and we'd talk and he asked me what I did and I told him I work at a church and, and we'd talk and we'd talk and months later, I, I, one time I just pulled it up. I was like, man, I'm going to tell him the gospel. And I was nervous. I'll tell you, I'm 100% honest. I'm going to tell this man the gospel. And guess what I did? And he was like, oh, that's cool. And then kept scanning my stuff. Right? And then I didn't do it again. I felt rejected. I was a little bit hurt. I was like, okay, I guess it's not the guy that I'm going to disciple. You know, I wanted to meet him more than once a week to, to buy groceries. And months went by, and I kept going at five. I kept going the same time on Sunday. We don't do it anymore because he got fired, but that's another story. Um, I, I kept inviting him to this. I kept, kept hanging out with him. I kept laughing with him. I made sure to go to his aisle, even if it was like a long wait, even if that mom who obviously has like 37 kids was in front of us, I waited. I would go to that one. And about three months after I shared the gospel with him to let him know what I believed, he, he, he one time stopped me and he goes, hey, I know this is super odd, but um, my, my grandma is, is sick. And this was right before my grandma got sick. Um, and he was like, can you pray for her? I was like, oh, you believe in the power of prayer, my man? I was like, all right. And he was like, no, no, I'm being serious. I'm not trying to be funny. And I was like, okay, so I'm sorry. And, and I, I did. I was like, can I pray for you right now? He was like, yeah. I started praying for him, I started praying for him, I started praying for him, and I left, and I was like, I'm going to keep praying for you, I'm going to keep praying for you. And I left, and then I came back the next week, and then another girl who's at the self-checkout aisle, as I was leaving, she was like, hey, can you also pray for me? And I kid you not, I was like, oh my, I hope everyone doesn't think I'm like the holy guy at Kroger, like, guys, discipleship doesn't always even look like maybe weekly meeting and checking in deeply on their life. Sometimes it's just imitating Christ, and while you're walking through a city, which not a lot of us do, maybe while you're sitting next to someone on an airplane, maybe when you're doing the same routine, maybe it's your waitress or the person who's serving you food. It's just showing them who Christ is and then letting them know, hey, if you think I'm different whatsoever, it's because my hope's in Jesus, not in this world. And if you're interested whatsoever, I'd love to talk to you about it. It's not that weird. I promise you that's not. People believe way weirder things. I just want to clarify in here way weirder. If you think that's crazy, then you need to get out there. It's not that weird. That's the most loving thing you can do. You know why I believe that? Because it's the most influential thing in my life. It's changed my life radically. And this week, the Lord showed me that when he showed me all the people who unintentionally or intentionally, I don't know their hearts, discipled me. And every single one of you in here is discipling someone, whether you know it or not. You regularly see people, you have friends, and you're choosing whether to disciple them towards imitating Christ or imitating something else. And so let's, as a group, let's be aware of this. That's what, that's what uh, Paul tells Timothy. He goes, hey, and observe yourself. Check yourself. Know what you're doing. Be aware of the relationships you have. Be aware of what you're teaching. Be aware of what you're saying because you're always imitating someone, and they're going to want to know who you're imitating. Make sure you're imitating Christ. And let them know that you're imitating Christ. And so that's my that's my like encouragement to us as we jump into the series. We're gonna look at how to disciple even deeper. We're gonna look at how to be discipled next week. Next week's gonna be how do we be discipled? And I'm gonna talk about little Calvin Cambridge, four foot-eight Duncan. We're gonna talk about what it looks like to get people in your life to start leading you so that you can go and lead others. But tonight, as you leave here, ask yourself this question: who are you imitating? And are you asking people to imitate you? And what are you asking them to imitate in you? Is it you or is it Jesus? Because you're, you're asking someone to imitate you. In other words, you're discipling someone. And my hope is that we look at Jesus' words after his resurrection, after he he died for us, and he said, go make disciples, go teach them who I am, show them the hope you have in me. Go show them how amazing my grace is. Go show them how even after you keep failing and falling and running to sin, every time you get up and walk towards me, I'm always filled with mercy. I always extend grace. I always tell you how much I love you. Go tell others about this. And that's our call, guys, as disciples, is not just to come in here, and work on our holiness, but instead go let others know about what's going on in our life. Being a Christian is not a private event by any means, according to Matthew 28. Who are you discipling? Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that none of us in here feel the pressure of having to be a good enough Christian to disciple someone. By definition of what Jesus, you have done for us. That's a silly, a silly understanding. Because we claim to have your full righteousness. Nothing we do is ours. We look at you and you only see the blood and resurrection of Christ when you look at us. And so we don't need to know a certain information. All we need to know is Christ crucified and rose again, coming back for us, covering our sin. That's all we need to know. And now we get to invite people into our lives. That's no longer our life, it's your life. Father, I pray that none of us fall victim to this. I pray that everyone in here gets to feel just how wonderful it is to disciple. What a gift that we get to imitate you and we get to help others imitate you. Father, we... We've made a lot of this about ourselves and I confess that first and foremost. Man, I've made my walk, my following of you about myself and my holiness and my righteousness and my standing before you and what I've done wrong before you and that's not your final words to me. If you wanted me to work on me, you would have said that before you left and you didn't. You said, go make disciples. Go tell them who I am. Go show them my, my mercy, my grace. Father, I pray that we would we'd be faithful. I pray that we would trust your, your grace and your resurrection and we would trust that your kingdom is better than whatever silly plans we have for ourselves. Father, I pray that we would all make disciples. Would you put someone on our heart, even tonight, who we should go and just share with? Someone we should, we should be actively engaging right now. Father, we're all discipling someone. I hope we're imitating you as we do it. I hope we're pointing them to you as we do it. I know one day I stand before you, I stand before your throne and your kingdom, and, and I'm going to see everything that I've done, and you're going to judge everything I've done, and I'm going to plead your grace and your mercy, but Lord, I pray, I ask for all of us in here that we wouldn't see relationships that we squandered to make ourselves worthy. I pray everything we do is for your grace, for your mercy. Lord, fill us with your spirit tonight as we worship you, our King. In your beautiful name I pray.